Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also check out my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take, on salary cap and contract matters. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at two things. One, the blockbuster Matthew Stafford, uh, Jared Goff trade, and also Deshaun Watson's downside. But first, let's get to the trade which uh, was announced last night. Matthew Stafford is going to the Los Angeles Rams for 2021 third-round pick, first-round picks in 2022 and 2023, and Jared Goff goes back to the Lions um, in the trade. Uh, The trade cannot be formally, formally executed or completed until the first day of the league year on March 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. The Rams... Have a huge aversion to first-round picks. Last first-round pick they had was actually Jared Goff in 2016. So that means from 2017 to 2023, Rams don't have a first-round pick. I can't recall a team not using first-round picks um, as much as the Rams since the Chargers of the uh, 90s with uh, Bobby Beathard as GM. Um, He had a penchant for trading... Um, next year's first round pick for a second round pick. And from 1994 to 2000, the only uh, first round pick he made was Ron Leaf. The compensation for this trade uh, is what's kind of shocking to a lot of people, that it's two first and a third. Now, you got to take in consideration that the Rams were trying to unload golf salary. So that part of it, it's kind of, Part trade, part salary dump, and it's kind of reminiscent of what happened in 2017 with Brock Osweiler to a degree when um, the Texans and the Browns executed a trade where a second and sixth round pick went to uh, Cleveland so they'd take on um, Brock Osweiler, take on um, his uh, $16 million guaranteed salary. They ended up cutting him before the regular season started. And also, the um, Texans got a fourth-round pick in return um, for, for that. So, it's part that, because if you take the golf part out of the equation, we know that the um, Rams, I'm at the Rams, the Lions had multiple suitors, or at least given up one first-round pick. Maybe, I don't know what, how much you would exactly value golf for in the whole deal, but um, taking it on, so maybe it's really a first and a third. I don't know what the exact value is, but... The, let's get the finances of this. Matthew Stafford, $43 million two years left on his contract, which means the Lions um, have $19 million of dead money uh, with respect to this single transaction. Um, so they say $14 million because uh, Kapner was 33 Now, uh, the Rams had a golf under contract for four years, $106.6 million. His cap number was 34 0.95 million. They have 22.2 million in dead money um, relating to him. So they're going to save 12.75 million um, just for making uh, this transaction. Just looking at it in its isolated form. 
they're getting rid of 43 uh, million of uh, full guarantees and 53 million total guarantees, which have no offset, is a part of this deal. Now, let's look at the cap situations of the two teams. Um, Detroit, uh, going by NFLPA data, uh, prior to the trade, had 1.166 million um, of cap space. They were under the cap. And I'm assuming the cap is going to be the $175 million floor when I'm saying this. So, they're now collective cap charges. Um, Detroit for the two quarterbacks is 19 million, uh, the dead money for uh, Stafford, and 28.15 million for Golf, because that's his salary uh, this year. 26.15 million dollar base salary, of which 25 is guaranteed, fully guaranteed, um, and he's got a 2.5 million dollar second day of the league year roster bonus. So. Collectively, 47.5. Now, if you look at uh, what the total added is, um, you got 28.15 million coming in. You were saving 14 um, by taking Stafford off the roster. So you've added 14.15 million to your cap. So that's going to put uh, the Ram- not the Rams, the Lions, basically uh, 12.8 million over the cap. Assuming 175 million. Now let's look at this from the uh, Rams' perspective. Heading into this, Rams were at the 30.095 million over the cap, according to NFLPA data, and collectively the cap charges for the two quarterbacks for the Rams: 20 million for the salary of Matthew Stafford, and 22.2 million for Goff. Uh, it's dead money, so that's 42.2. Now, if you look at it um, another way, you've got you're taking on 20 million for Stafford, and you're saving 12.5. So you're adding 7.25 million to your cap charges from what you had pre-transaction. So that's going to put the Rams at 37.375 million over the cap after the transaction We're taking the transaction into consideration obviously it can't be formally executed until the 17th of March but when they're trying to get cap cap compliant for the first day of the league year they're factoring the trade into the equation now Stafford under contract 43 million over 2 years the way it's broken down is he's got a $10 million uh, fifth day league year roster bonus, $500,000 workout bonus, um, $9.5 million base salary. Um, given the uh, Rams cap issues, and he's got that $10 million roster bonus, I'm expecting the Rams not to keep his contract in its existing form. So, one thing they could do, since they're not a team which adds voidable years when they do a contract structure, is do a simple contract structure, restructure similar to what Pittsburgh did last year at the beginning of the 2020 league year, I should say, with Ben Roethlisberger, because Roethlisberger is heading into his contract year in 2021. So they converted a significant portion of money into signing bonus. So. Let's say you um, got rid of the workout bonus and you took Stafford's base salary down to his um, 
0.075 million league minimum. You could convert 18.925 million in the signing bonus, and you could prorate that over 2021 and 2022. So when you do that, the proration becomes 9.9 million 462,500 for 2021 and 2022. So that's how much cap relief you would get this year. And in turn, uh, Stafford's 2022 um, cap number would go to 32 million 462,500. You have the 23 million plus that bonus proration. You would actually now, because you added 7.25 million in the equation, um, would actually be netting out um, a little over two million of cap relief from from isolating that transaction. Um, another thing they could do is do an extension. Um, Stafford turns 33 um, on February 7th. So let's say you wanted to extend him out three years. So he's under contract through 2025, which takes him through when he's 37. He's represented by Tom Condon. Tom Condon, one of the uh, heavyweights of the industry, has been around forever, was started representing players when he was still playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Was Peyton Manning's agent, Eli Manning's agent, represents J.J. Watt, Drew Brees, you name it. He's, He's... an industry icon. So you're not going to get him cheap um, if you want to do an extension. So we know Deshaun Watson, who we're going to talk about later, signed an extension for $39 million per year. So let's say, considering Stafford's deal that he signed, last deal at $27 million per year, uh, made him the highest paid player in the league. Nope, he's not going to get the um, Patrick Mahomes money. But um, I would expect that Tom Condon, if he's, they're going to do an extension, and you'd want to do the extension before the fifth day of the league year so you get the benefit of using the $10 million uh, roster bonus, that is probably going to be, we'll say, $40 million per year. So that's $120 over three years, $120 million over three years on an extension. And depending upon how you structured it, uh, you could get some significant cap relief. So let's say that they used the Rams, if they did this. I'm not saying they're actually going to do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they explored the extension. Did they want the signing bonus, option bonus um, model they did of Brandon Cooks? And what that allows you to do is keep the first year cap number uh, lower than it would in a more conventional deal. And in the second year, 2022, you have an option bonus, which would be to pick up the 2025 year where um, you'd have to pay a fee like between the first and fifth day of the league year which gets prorated, the option bonus will get get prorated 20 years 2022 through 2025. So let's say you take um, Stafford's base salary down to 1.5, give him a $30 million signing bonus. So uh, now you've got that prorated $30 million divided by 5, 6 million proration each year plus a $1.5 million base salary. Cap number becomes 12.5, I'm 7.5. So it was 20, now 7.5. Save 12.5 on the cap this year. And let's say you want to keep his cap number comparable to what it would be in 2022 with the option bonus. So you say you go $30 million option bonus, take the base salary down to like 8.5. Then your cap number is 20, $22 million. 
Uh, twenty-two and a half million. Um, no, twenty. Yeah, twenty-two and a half million. Because you have a uh, thirteen point five million of proration. I mean, twenty-two million and eight point five million of uh, base salary for thirty million dollar option bonus, which gets prorated over four years. So um, that may be one model to go. Who knows what's going to happen with the Indianapolis or Washington, both teams are probably going to be in the market for a veteran quarterback. If the Ram, the Lions really wanted to, and those guys are interested, they could probably turn around and flip golf <laughs> um, because that contract now has no proration. All you're doing is taking on the salaries, uh, $28.15 million this year. <clears throat> I don't really see that happening, but just something, um, food for thought. Um, the Lions can get out of it. Are probably stuck with him for two years, 2021 and 2022, because the $15.5 million roster bonus next year for golf, no offsets. So if they cut him, that's a sunk cost, $15.5 million of dead money. Then he gets the double dip, gets the 15.5 and wherever he signs elsewhere. If he's on the roster, second day of the league year. Then his base salary becomes fully guaranteed. So you're basically stuck with him. Then you have $53 million guaranteed over two years. Uh, $54.3 million in total salary, and then he's off the books. And you can go from there. Um, the GM, um, Brad Holmes, who was the college scouting director for the Rams when Goff was drafted, five-year contract, Dan Campbell, six-year contract. So they're not in win-now mode. Rams are in win-now mode. It's basically Super Bowl or bust for them from this standpoint. This is the first domino to fall. We'll see if there are going to be other quarterbacks uh, which get traded. Um, uh, we know there's some disappointed teams that weren't able to get um, Stafford, but stay tuned for what's going to happen with the quarterback market. Now, speaking of quarterbacks who would like to be traded, um, Deshaun Watson's formally requested one from the Texans. He's taken all references to the Texans off of his social media accounts. Friday at a press conference, new GM Nick Casario said he has zero interest in trading Deshaun Watson, which was expected, which was the expected response. By saying he has zero interest, that kind of leaves some wiggle room. Now, if you talk about dates to look for for a trade, should the Texans decide it's in their best interest to move Deshaun Watson? That would be first day of the league year. By then, um, 17th of March. Drop dead date for it to make sense would be the um, NFL draft at the end of April. Now, when I was an agent and I had clients who were disgruntled and I thought the situation might turn ugly, one thing I would do or we would do is look at their downside, worst case scenarios, explain that situation to them so... If they were going to make a decision to uh, hold out or knew things were going to get ugly, they could factor that into the equation. So uh, let's look at um, the downside for Deshaun Watson. Watson, $10.5.4 million base salary this year. Um, That's what he's supposed to make for the 2021 season. Now, the first... Thing which could potentially affect him financially is the workout program. We don't know exactly how the offseason is going to work, whether it's going to be like this past year, where you had the virtual workout programs, people weren't in the facilities until training camp started. 
But either way, um, in his contract and in most Texans' big contracts, actually all of them, he has a $500,000 base salary de-escalator if he doesn't participate in 84.375% of the off-season workout program, the workouts in the program. If he doesn't do that, then his base salary drops to $10.04 million. So he lose $500,000 for that. When Trent Williams held out a couple years ago, he missed the off-season workout program for the Washington football team. And his base salary de-escalated by $150,000 because of a clause in his contract like the one I'm describing right now. The Cowboys typically put these types of um, clauses in their contracts. Other teams will handle it with a actual workout bonus where you don't have your salary de-escalate. You just don't earn the workout bonus if you don't show up. Um, we've had some players, I know um, Deshaun Jackson previously with the uh, Eagles first time around, uh, left like $250,000 on the table in some years because he didn't participate in the workout program. Now, the next thing would be the mandatory minicamp. The Texans, because they have a new head coach, assuming that there's some normalcy to the offseason, would have an additional minicamp, which would be voluntary for veterans. The mandatory minicamp is in the middle of June. If he misses that, he would be he, they could fine him $93,085. Um, if you're unwilling to miss minicamp, that's a pretty good signal you're not willing to hold out into training camp. Training camp will start late July, sometime around then. And under the new CBA, it's $50,000 per day fine for each day you miss training camp. Training camp runs anywhere from 35 to 40 days. Under the wording of the CBA, Training camp goes from the mandatory reporting date till the Sunday before the first regular season game. So, depending upon the actual date, that's upwards of $2 million. So, we'll say training camp's 40 days. That's $2 million right there. That if Deshaun Watson missed all of training camp, and he's still a Houston Texan. Now, there's some misinformation that I've seen people reporting that is also a fine of one week's salary for each preseason game missed. That doesn't apply to Deshaun Watson. That applies to players who sign their contracts as unrestricted free agents. It also applies to players who hold out in their fifth-year option, your first-round picks. But for them, the fine's $40,000 per day plus one game check for each missed preseason game, or 117th or salary, I should say. But since Deshaun Watson signed a contract extension, $50,000 per day fine, which no longer can be waived or reduced. It's a mandatory fine. A couple other things to think about for Deshaun Watson. Signing bonus of $27 million being prorated $5.4 million on the cap each year. In contracts for signing bonus, there's forfeiture provisions. The language basically says to the maximum extent possible under Article 4, Section 9, Article 4, Section 9 of the CBA. So that's, you'd have to go to the CBA to see what the exact uh, provisions are. But how it works is, um, first five days of a holdout, no forfeiture. On the sixth day, 15% of the prorated amount. And then it's one day, 1% for each day after, up to you get to 25% through the preseason. So if he held out the entire preseason, $1.35 million, 
that the Texans could recoup from him. Now, if the holdout extends until the regular season, first regular season game you miss, another 25%. So that'd be half of the proration, 2.7. After the fourth week, then it is 117th for each game missed. So that'd be $317,647 per week. And the maximum amount you can recoup is the prorated, the proration for a particular year. So that would be 5.4 would be the max that they could recoup. Now, obviously, if you don't show up during the regular season, you're not collecting game checks. Let's say he misses the, uh, doesn't hit the workout uh, bonus mark. So his salary drops to $10.04 million. For each regular season game missed, that he's out $590,588. Now, two other things happen, too. That Watson has his 2021 base salary guaranteed, his $22 million, his 22 base salary guaranteed as well. 21 base salary, $10.54 million, which would reduce to $10.04 million. Then $35 million in 2022, $27 million worth of salary in 2023, which becomes guaranteed in 2022. So, if you breach your contract and holding out would be a breach, your salary guarantees void. And in his contract, there's a laundry list of things which are considered defaults. And one of them is player without the prior written consent of club's head coach or general manager fails or refuses to report to club or fails to practice or play. So right there, that would trigger the voiding. Then it says in the event player in the event players in default here under prior to or during the 2021 league year, then the 2021 guarantee shall immediately be deemed null and void. So that would void the guarantee and also the trigger of the voiding of the future guarantees as well. He would still be able to earn money when he's playing in an unsecured manner, but would not have security and now becomes easy to cut. So that would be another ramification. Then if you hold out an entire season, your contract is going to toll. So he's under contract through 2025. That would put him under contract through 2026. There is at some point you come back during the regular season in a conventional holdout to prevent the contract from tolling. Now, we do know from a Joey Galloway grievance, he had out the first nine weeks in 1999 that uh, Seattle tried to file a grievance to get his contract to toll. They lost the grievance. The arbitrator didn't allow for tolling, but didn't give a clear standard for how many weeks are missed are necessary to trigger tolling. Now, the NFLPA, and I know this from having a conversation from having a previous holdout years ago, that they think that there's some number which is less than a full season, that you could still have your contract tolling. We know it's not missing the first nine weeks. Um, but on the, to err on the side of caution, NFLPA advises someone to really to return after like week six because you can get a two-week roster exemption, and then you're at week eight, and then you're getting into a gray area if you don't want your contract to toll. So let's say Watson took this to its extreme the biggest extreme, which is take sitting out the whole season contract toll, so he's under contract through 2026. What would he, he would lose? 18 million 
$33,085 is the max he would lose over a full season. And a $500,000 uh, workout program, uh, base salary escalator, you got the 93000 in change from minicamp, the $2 million uh, you get fined for, for, for training camp, you got $5.4 million of bonus proration <laughs> that they can recoup from you, um, and you would be out $10.04 million of salary. So that's what you've lost. Now, actual um, money that you would have to pay back, because <laughs> there's a difference between what you've lost and what you would pay back. You'd have to pay, you'd have $2,093,085 in fines, and then if they chose to enforce it, $5.4 million in bonus proration. So that's $7,493,085 max. Now, if you want to avoid the uh, tolling aspect of the deal, it's a different equation. You would come back after week six to be on the safe side. But still, that's a lot of money you you could be out of. It um, basically cuts it in half. It would be $9,471,908 if they enforced everything. Once again, you would have the uh, base salary de-escalator. You're out 500000 for that. You got the mini camp uh, fine, the training camp fine. It would be $2.7 million of bonus proration through the first four weeks. Um, then another $635,294 for the next two weeks missed. And six weeks of salary would be $3,543,529. So... Either way, it's a very expensive proposition. So Deshaun Watson has to be extremely committed um, to go down that road. Now, if you want to avoid the fines and all that, one thing you could do is kind of a hold in. That's kind of what Jalen Ramsey did. And Deshaun Watson has the same agent as Jalen Ramsey, David Mulligetta. So they did. I thought they did a great job in how to manage getting Jalen Ramsey traded at the trade trading deadline a couple of years ago where he had the uh, back injury um, and wasn't playing games after he was decided he was done with the Jaguars. So you to avoid all the fines and stuff, you report. Maybe you missed the minicamp, so you're out $93,000, but you report. And if under that situation... You're trying to be such a distraction that they will get rid of you and also not trigger a conduct detrimental fine, which could be up to a four-week suspension and missing four weeks of salary. So it would probably be something like, man, my throwing shoulder is sore. It hurts me to throw the football. So if it gets to that point, Deshaun Watson... His in camp wouldn't be surprised if he's got a dead arm or something related to the shoulder where there's pain wouldn't necessarily show up on an MRI, but that may be the tact he takes. Or if he does have some sort of, if he's playing, has a minor injury, he, he's sitting out. He's not going to play through anything. So that's what you'd have to deal with. And that would be to try to force a trade. Now, one thing you can't do, well, you can, but it would be really stupid, is if you report, you're basically stuck. Because if you leave and the team gives you what's called a five-day letter, 
you have five days to report back after you get the letter. If you don't, then they can put you on the reserve left uh, left camp, left squad list. And if they do that, you're done for the season. You can't play for the rest of the season, which means your contract holds. So that doesn't necessarily help you either. Um, he could take the tack that he's retiring, but if he's going to retire then they could also say that's a sham retirement, still fine him, and then you're going to have an arbitration. But if he did retire, he has not He has $21.6 million of bonus proration left of the remaining years of the contract. If he stayed retired, he would have to return $5.4 million of bonus proration after each year he sat out. <laughs> So Deshaun Watson is not going to give back $21.6 million of, of money to stay retired indefinitely. <laughs> but um, that's one of the things we would do when we had a guy who was um, contemplating taking drastic action. So that just kind of lays out what the ramifications are. If this thing goes extreme, goes sideways, and we're looking at Deshaun Watson's not traded, we get past the draft, we're into the summer, and now it's July, and he's got to go to training camp, make that decision. That's the type of stuff, if we get that far, we'd be looking at. Texans are going to try to uh, recruit him back into the fold, so we'll see how it goes. But just wanted to lay out what the uh, ramifications were for the worst-case scenarios with Deshaun Watson. Okay, well, that's going to be this week's episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also check out my CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on Contracts and Salary Cap Matters. Think, uh, we'll see you back here um, next week. Goodbye.